Hey guys, Ray Russell back again joining me as Steve Xstat. Steve, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me. This is uh, another edition of the Russellcopia News Network or the WCNN. Uh, when I created WCNN, Steve, it wasn't necessarily meant to be an obituary type of a show that was part of the plan, but I wanted to do other news bits and things like that. But it just seems like that's what it's turning out to be so far here in 2020, unfortunately, is just so many names continue to pass away in the business at, at, at this time. Yeah, it's been a rough 2020. Um, I can't wait for it to be over. Hopefully things slow down a little bit. I mean, it's been, it seems like once a week we're doing this and that's, that's way too frequent. Yeah. In fact, I put this one off and I put it off for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I feel bad that I, I looked back and I, I seen how long ago Tracy Smothers passed away and I couldn't believe I put it off this long every week. I came up with another reason why not to do this. Uh, the main reason, Steve, I, I think you already know is, uh, I think of the old guard, the person in the old guard of wrestling that I knew best personally on a personal level was Tracy Smothers. So he meant quite a bit to me outside of the wrestling business, uh, on top of just remembering him from my youth, my childhood, growing up watching him as the wild-eyed Southern boy and things like that as well. So it was, so I procrastinated because I really didn't want to get to this, but once I started going and, and jotting down a few notes and memories and things, it, it, it became a little easier to get through. And then of course, Pat Patterson passes away and I, and I'm, I'm starting to fall behind and then Zeus goes and it's like, man, I, I got to catch up on these because I got to do all these guys the respect they deserve. And I know, you know, in the grand scheme of things, who am I or who are we to, you know, like, like everybody needs to hear our take uh, on these guys, but I want to pay my respects and I know you want to pay your respects. And that's basically what, what the show's all about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys, all of them in their own way have done something, one for a business that I love and has entertained me for years and will continue to entertain me for years and two. Uh, they've entertained me. Uh, it's not just wrestling in general. It's what they've done and what they've accomplished. So um, they've done, they'll, they'll do more for me. All wrestlers, whether they're good, bad, or in between, it doesn't matter. They all entertain you at some point. And um, that's what this is about. It's just paying our respects to people that trailblazed and, you know, left a, left a business bat on good hands for people that are doing it now. So um, they deserve whatever respect anyone can give them. And so what I'm going to do right now, in case anybody's curious, is I'm basically uh, the format. Unfortunately, there's a format for this already uh, is um, I'm going to try to run down a bit of Tracy Smothers career as fast as I can. But I'm, I don't I want to touch on every aspect uh, at the same time, uh, because um, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff already out there. I know Dave Meltzer probably did a great piece on Tracy Smothers. I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there who have done a lot of good stuff as far as uh, covering some of Tracy's career. Once again, this is, you know, the Russell Copia brand, and I just want to give our take. And then at the end of that, Steve, I'm going to let you chime in with any memories or thoughts you have on Tracy, and then I'll, I'll close out the show myself with just some personal memories I have with Tracy Smothers. And um, so let's get going. Born in 1962, Tracy Smothers grew up in Springfield, Tennessee. At the age of 20, he was trained by the Fabulous Ones, specifically Steve Kern, as well as Jerry Jarrett, and got his start in the wrestling business in 1982. 
By 1984, Tracy was on TV for a Pro Wrestling USA hybrid show mixed with talent from Memphis, Jim Crockett Promotions, and the AWA. He also began wrestling for the Memphis promotion, the CWA promotion, and Jerry Jarrett, and he competed there from 1984 to 1986. Early on, Tracy took on the likes of the Road Warriors, Dory Funk Jr., Harley Race, Dutch Mantell, the Nightmares, Ken Wayne, and Danny Davis, even a budding Rick Rude. Tracy would continue his Memphis run until early 1986 when he transitioned to Bill Watts' Mid-South Wrestling UWF promotion, spending six months there, continuing to own his craft and learn under another legendary mind of the business. Once, even scoring a win over a young, green man by the name of Sting. After a six-month stint with Bill Watts' UWF working underneath, Tracy was ready for his first real push in the business. "'Twas the summer of 86. Tracy returned back home to Memphis, where by August he had captured his first title belt, the Mid-America Heavyweight Championship, after winning a tournament for the honor. And with Memphis being Memphis, no title stays in one hand for too long, but Tracy would go on to become a three-time champion by the end of the fall, feuding with the likes of Tony Falk as Boy Tony, a Boy George-style gimmick. Tracy's time as champ would come to an end after finally dropping the belt for the third time to Big Bubba, not Rogers, but rather the man who would go on to become the future tugboat typhoon. By February 1987, it was back on the road for Tracy, this time to the now Crockett-owned Florida Territory. It was while there that Tracy finally met his longtime tag team partner, Steve Armstrong, and the duo formed the popular Wild-Eyed Southern Boys tag team. Feuding with the likes of the New Breed and the Mod Squad, the Southern Boys would capture the NWA Florida tag team titles almost immediately upon forming a tag team. They even eventually popped up on a couple of syndicated episodes of TV for the NWA during this time in 1987, and by the fall of 87, it was once again back home to Memphis before the Southern Boys received their first tour of Japan, wrestling for the New Japan promotion in 1988. After Japan, Smothers went back to Memphis, but without his partner Steve Armstrong. Instead, Tracy was paired with several aspiring talents, including John Paul, before Steve Armstrong finally joined his wild-eyed partner in 1989, during a feud with Robert Fuller and the Stud Stable. By 1990, after Tracy saw yet another tour of Japan, the Southern Boys' notoriety had earned them their first major full-time gig, a job with the Ted Turner-owned NWA World Championship Wrestling. Just in time for the summer, the Southern Boys popped up on NWA TV and took the fans by storm, myself included. Feuding off and on with the likes of the fabulous Freebirds and the Midnight Express, it didn't take long to realize just how good this duo was. Mark it down right now, Steve. They even made me enjoy Freebirds matches in 1990, if you can believe that. The boys were an instant success and taken seriously after having defeated the former world champion Freebirds as part of the June 90 Clash of the Champions 11 event on TBS. They would subsequently go on to beat the Birds two more times as part of the Clash 12 and another Clash in early 1991. But quite possibly, their best match of their entire run came at the Great American Bash in 1990, the same night that Sting was beating Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title. The Southern Boys were putting on a tag team clinic, a now classic match that holds up to the test of time against Jim Cornette's Midnight Express. It seemed the Southern Boys would rekindle their rivalry with the Midnights as part of the Halloween Havoc 90 pay-per-view. As fans such as myself salivated at the thought of more classic encounters to come, 
but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be as shortly thereafter both Cornette and Stan Lane left the NWA after issues with Executive Vice President Jim Hurd. With nothing for the Southern Boys, they began falling down the card, doing jobs for the debuting Master Blasters and their one-time rival Freebirds in late 1990. However, it appeared with the return of Dusty Rhodes as head booker in early 1991, the boys may be in for a new push, getting a win at Wrestle War 91 in February over the former New Zealand militia, now Royal Family, the Southern Boys found themselves with a name change. In a marketing scheme to make the Southern Boys less Southern, they changed their team name to the Young Pistols and moved their hometown from the Deep South to the neutral Cheyenne, Wyoming. Those pesky Freebirds just wouldn't go away, and as part of the 1991 inaugural Super Brawl pay-per-view, the Freebirds would once again beat the Pistols with help from their debuting new third partner, the Masked Bad Street, ironically played by Steve's brother, Brad Armstrong. Teaming with the Z-Man at the following clash, the Pistols would exact some revenge on the Birds, beating them as part of a six-man tag team match. Wow, four separate clashes with the Birds, and none of the matches were bad. Says a lot for these Southern boys. By the fall of 91, however, the Pistols were stagnant. With nothing to do, Booker Dusty Rhodes opted to turn the two clean-cut babyfaces heel and pair them against Dusty's latest project, Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip, the Patriots, in a feud over the United States tag team titles. Now, as a heel unit, the team finally captured those U.S. tag team belts at the tail end of 1991 before losing them to the makeshift team of Ron Simmons, and Big Josh, Matt Bourne, in early 92. By April of 92, Steve Armstrong had left the WCW for home and eventually Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain Wrestling. While Tracy continued to work underneath, even doing jobs for Johnny B. Bad, one of them at the WrestleWar 92 pay-per-view before leaving the company himself in August after budget cuts made by the new head of WCW, Bill Watts. It wouldn't take long for Tracy to pop up himself in Smoky Mountain Wrestling and become the first ever. Smoky Mountain Wrestling beat the Champ TV champion later in 1992, and by the spring of 93, Smothers was main eventing, engulfed in a heated rivalry with the heel Dirty White Boy over the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. Smothers wound up winning that title in a Tennessee chain match at the Bluegrass Brawl, and outside of that title being held up in a gimmick rematch, Smothers would be champion until later that July when he lost the title to Brian Lee. Smothers continued to find himself across the ring against a number of opponents in Smoky Mountain throughout the rest of 1993 and 94, wrestling and feuding against the likes of Chris Candido, Kendo the Samurai, who was Tim Horner under a mask, Bruiser Bedlam, and Ole Anderson's son, Brian Anderson, to close out 94. During that period, Tracy would capture the Beat the Champ TV title twice more, making him a three-time champion the only man to do that three times using one gimmick. In the first half of 1995, things really became intense as Tracy found himself teaming with his former arch-rival, the dirty white boy Tony Anthony, in order to take on the mutual enemies, the gangsters. Smothers and Anthony would rechristen themselves the thugs to do battle with the gangsters in a wild and unforgettable period of bloody matches. With the gangsters gone to ECW by the summer of 95, the Thugs found themselves feuding with the likes of PG-13 in a Smoky Mountain Wrestling vs. USWA cross-promotion storyline that saw two babyface teams playing heel in the opposing promotion events. 
It was also during the summer of 95 that the Thugs tag team would defeat the loudmouthed Al Snow and his bodyguard Unabomb for the Smoky Mountain tag team titles and also eventually defeat the duo in a Loser Leaves Town match so that Unabomb could be written out so that he could move on to the WWF as Dr. Isaac Yankum. Jim Cornette's heavenly body soon returned to Smoky Mountain Wrestling and defeated the Thugs for the tag team titles in yet another unforgettable bloodbath and a series of matches that would continue on until the close of the promotion in November of 95. The Thugs team then migrated over to the USWA, only now it was Tracy Smothers teaming with Jesse James Armstrong, a.k.a. the Roadie, who had recently quit the WWF. As a heel tag team in the USWA, only a team this evil could turn the often-hated tandem of Tommy Rich and Doug Gilbert babyface in yet another memorable slew of matches. In 1996, the WWF came calling, and for the first time in his career, Tracy Smothers was slapped with a new ring name, Freddie Joe Floyd. Meant to be a rib on the Briscoe brothers, whose real names are Freddie Joe, Jack, and Gerald Floyd, Jerry Briscoe. To take it one step further, he was even announced as being from Bowlegs, Oklahoma, the state in which the Briscoes were born and had their amateur championships. After seemingly getting a push with a pinfall victory over Justin Hawk Bradshaw in his debut on WWF Superstars, the future JBL wound up pinning Tracy Smothers in a rematch the following week, and Smothers quickly fell down the ladder, first with a defeat to Bradshaw and then losing to pretty much every other heel on the roster for the duration of 1996. Tracy had a unique situation in early 97 while still working for the WWF and continuing to do the jobs. He was also now back on WWF's feeder system, the USWA, as a member of the Nation of Domination, Shaquille Ali, a takeoff of Shaquille O'Neal and Muhammad Ali. And by February of 97, Smothers had debuted for ECW as part of the new FBI, alongside Wildfire Tommy Rich and Little Guido, after the departure of J.T. Smith from the group. Hailing most often from Nashville, Italy, the comedy ensued with silly bumps, goofy promos, and dance-offs. The gimmick that was originally rejected by ECW fans eventually won their hearts as they waited to see Smothers do a dance-off with the likes of the Blue Meanie on ECW TV, house shows, and pay-per-views alike. The FBI even managed to capture the ECW tag team titles by late 1997, having defeated the Gangstonators, a hybrid tag team of New Jack and John Cronus. Smothers was a staple of ECW for more than two years before leaving the company in 1999, even popping back up briefly for the WWF and a rare one-off with WCW. It was also during this time that Smothers began competing more often for the likes of the FMW and IWA Japan promotions to close out the 90s. And by the 2000s, Tracy Smothers had become entrenched in the fabric of independent wrestling, competing everywhere from XPW to IWA Mid-South, Ohio Valley, Jersey All-Pro, Main Event Championship Wrestling, TNA, and even the ICP's Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Smothers competed for nearly the next two decades all over the indie scene and during that period helped countless talent with advice and friendship. Nearly 20 years of riding the roads and conversing with hundreds, if not thousands of young men and women, lifting their spirits, giving them advice and ideas, and most importantly, being a friend in a business where not everyone can be trusted. A light-hearted, humble man, it never appeared to me that Tracy let his popularity go to his head. Soft-spoken outside the ring, he was equally boisterous inside. 
threatening to commit ultra-mega-mass homicide. It was psycho, sellout, smashers, smothers continued to recite the thug moniker when needed and entertained an endless count of fans over the 2000s and 2010s. Sadly, in December 2019, Tracy Smothers announced he had been diagnosed with lymphoma. Originally, Tracy reported it, it was non-terminal, but Smothers would eventually succumb to the cancer on October 28, 2020, at the age of 58. It's safe to say that Tracy broke in the hard way, the epitome of paying your dues, starting at the bottom and working for years to make it. He never seemed jaded or grumpy with the new era of stars, rather always wanting to help them and still be one of the boys. He was simply an amazing human being. Tracy Smothers was an invaluable piece of the wrestling business, and moreover to me, an irreplaceable human being. You will be sorely missed, my friend. And now, Steve, if you have anything you want to add, your thoughts or any memories that stick out to you from Tracy's career, you have the floor. Yeah, I mean, I... I didn't really watch a lot of the WCW uh, with the Wild Eye Southern Boys and things like that. When I gone back and rewatched, I mean, they're they're really a really really criminally underrated tag team. Uh, just really solid work. I mean, you're not. It's I've said it numerous times on all our shows we record. And I even talk about it at work now. But it's one of those guys you just put them in a match with anyone, and you don't have to worry about it. You know, they're gonna go out there, be professional, do their job, and make the other guys look good. They're going to get themselves over and um, it's just going to be a great match. It's going to be entertaining. Uh, my biggest memories with, with Tracy is uh, watching Smoky Mountain wrestling. Um, he doesn't look like the type of person that, you know, would you would instantly say, okay, well, he's going to be a champion, like a world champion or something like that. It's just, but when you hear him talk and the conviction that he talks and says his promos, especially in Smoky Mountain, uh, where he kind of probably had free reign to say and do what he wanted to do with his gimmick and things like that. I'm sure Cornette probably gave him a little bit of a pointer where to go, and he just ran with it. But, man, his fuse with Dirty White Boy and, and the guys that you listed, they're all so entertaining. And it's not just the entering, it's the it's the promos, it's the, the interactions and things like that. And then him dealing with uh, Ron Wright and, and things like that. I mean, he's just so damn entertaining, no matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter if he's in the ring, on the mic, or whatever the case may be. I was never not entertained with Tracy Smothers when he was on my TV. And to me, that's like that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate compliment that you could probably give a wrestler as a fan is to say, I was never bored with anything you did. Everything you did, I was into it. I bought it, and I couldn't wait to see more. And um, I never, I didn't watch Smoky Mountain. Obviously, it wasn't in my area growing up, so I can't see it. So it's just like revisionist watching it over. But I, I couldn't wait to get to the next episode to see what Tracy Smothers was going to say and do or where it was going to go. It, it never felt flat. It never felt repetitive and um, just a hell of a talent. And then obviously his ECW stuff. At first you're thinking, what the hell is Tracy Smothers doing? <laughs> and, but he got it over. Like you said, it, it, people fell in love with it and they couldn't wait to see it. And his dancing's so bad, it's good. You know, It's one of those things that you can't wait to see because it looks so ridiculous. But at the same time, it's so damn entertaining. And again, it never got old. He never got stale to me. I don't know if it's because I just haven't watched a lot at the same time as far as Tracy Smothers goes. Or if I grew up and just watched everything from beginning to end, maybe he would have. But just rewatching it and going back and just seeing it, I, I was I was always entertained by Tracy Smothers. And um, 
to me, that's the ultimate uh, ultimate compliment that I can give is never not being entertained. Yeah, I I first saw Tracy as a fan uh, in 1990 when they came to the NWA, and I was immediately in awe of the team. They weren't necessarily on the same speed level as the Rockers, but their tag teaming, it just worked for me. I loved the gimmick, um, which wasn't really much of a gimmick. They were Southern boys. And back when the flag, you know, it wasn't taken the way it is today. I, you know, it, it just worked and the team worked and I really enjoyed them. And they, I, it's hard to say that they were my favorite team in WCW at the time and in, in 1990, but they really were when they came in, uh, probably more than the Steiners. I just, they were younger, you know, you felt like, even though I was a kid, they felt closer to my age, you know, or, or more, you know, I could relate right. more. And, uh, I just really, really enjoyed their stuff. And I, I was so sad when the midnights thing came to an end so quickly. And I was equally sad when they changed their name to the young pistols and throughout 91, you could see that they were kind of dwindling down the card. And I hated that they were turned heel and never really given that shot that I thought they deserved as baby faces. Uh, in light of, you know, in lieu of uh, some of these other teams. And then obviously they, they fizzled out. I was very upset that the way they were used and disappeared off of my TV screen. And uh, I got lucky in 1994, somebody at a, at a lower end station in my area decided they were going to pick up a package of wrestling programs, uh, WCW. I think it was main event when it went into syndication here, WWF challenge. And then the AWF warriors of wrestling round system, and then the USWA and Smoky mountain. So I got really lucky. I got to see the last two years of Smoky mountain wrestling here. And uh, so I got to see Tracy again, back on my TV. And there was a lot of good stuff that I covered there uh, during that period. So that was really cool. I obviously needed to say, I wasn't really happy with the whole Freddie Joe Floyd thing. I was really excited when he came in. I didn't like the name. I didn't understand it immediately. Initially. I didn't know that it was a play on the Briscoes. doesn't really matter either way. I thought it was kind of hokey. Um, but yeah, got that one over Bradshaw. So I thought, okay, well, all right, here we go. And then, you know, you know what happened from there? Not, not a whole lot. Uh, he popped up in ECW again. I rejected that gimmick immediately because to me, Tracy Smothers had never been a joke. So to see him in a comedy, it was hard for me to take. Uh, I, you know, I, I really wasn't happy with it, but as time went on, you just get used to things and Tracy got it over. Like you said, as much as I wanted to hate it. And it took me a while really to warm up to it. Wasn't a fan throughout most of 97. It probably wasn't until sometime in 98 that I, I just said, okay, this is where we're at now. And I, I don't know that I was ever a FBI fan, but whenever Tracy tagged in, I was, my eyes were on the TV. So I, I, I guess I had always been a big fan of the Southern boys. And so I was always a fan of Tracy smothers. And then I got to meet Tracy probably right around 2000. And for the next six years, I saw Tracy fairly often at, at indie shows and around and outside of indie shows at the bar and at, at houses he was staying at and things like that. Tracy was a humble guy. He didn't need to stay at a hotel. He just stayed at a friend's house, whoever, whoever he trusted knew in town when he was wrestling. And he was wrestling here quite often, anywhere from three to six times a month. So I got to see Tracy quite a bit and got to know him pretty well. I miss him sitting there with his, what I used to call the 64 ounce mug. It was like a coffee mug and it probably wasn't 64 ounces, but it was novelty size. It was comical how big it was and he would fill it with beer. And it's like, Tracy, I know that shit's got to be warm, man. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny sitting there and listening to him tell road stories. And 
you never knew what you were going to get. You didn't, you didn't have to poke him or prod him or ask him a question about a certain wrestler. You just knew he was just going to come up with these insane stories that he told so well, you knew they were true. He wasn't going to make them up. And sometimes he would tell stories that would paint a wrestler in a really bad light, but that's not what he was doing. He was just telling the story the way it happened. He wasn't necessarily crapping on the guy. And it was so funny. We, we would make, make jokes sometimes. So after Tracy would leave, um, boy, that this so-and-so killed him, uh, killed this guy. Like legitimately. Now he never told the story about anybody murdering anybody, but I'm, I'm using this as an example. Yeah, Tracy could tell you a story, Steve. I'm just going to make this up. This is made up. Yeah, that Eddie Gilbert, man, he went in there and he killed two people. Good guy, though. And that's how Tracy would always finish finish the story. No matter how terrible of a story he told about a human, he'd always finish it with good guy, though. And so that always always made me laugh, too. <laughs> Jeez, there's a, a memory. I'm trying to remember what, what I wanted to mention here. I, I'll tell you one real quick. Uh, there was a, a show he was at, an indie show. It was when he first came out with his... Uh, Famous, nobody does it like a thug shirt, black t-shirt, just basic with some words on it. It says, nobody does it like a thug and uh, psycho sellout smasher smothers tease for terror and all terrible and all that, all that stuff on the back. And um, he was selling those shirts like hotcakes, not to the fans. I'm sure he, I'm sure some fans bought it too, but the wrestlers were buying them up. Marks, everybody's a mark for Tracy on the Indies. Everybody loved them. This is back in Christmas time of 202, maybe 03. I think it's 02 though. And I was, you know, everybody had basically bought one up that was working the show. And uh, I was sitting there talking to Tracy and he said, hey, man, don't you, aren't you going to buy one, too? And uh, I wasn't in a great situation at that point. I was uh, separating from my ex. I really didn't have a whole lot of extra cash. I mean, it's a little embarrassing, you know. So Tracy knew my situation, my personal situation, not necessarily my financial situation. And I think he he kind of figured it out himself. And, uh, before he left, he walked over to me, that old mean Joe green commercial with the, with where he throws the uniform to the kid. Uh, Tracy takes, <laughs> right. a sh- takes a, uh, Tracy Smothers shirt and throws it at me. And he goes, uh, Merry Christmas, man. And that was, uh, Tracy Smothers. And, you know, they say somebody will give you a shirt off their back. He gave me a shirt out of his bag. So I, it was still really cool of him to do uh, when he's trying to make a few bucks, you know? And then, uh, Here's a, a really good story, you know, unless you were there, you know, it, you can't tell this story unless you lived it. And this is my last one I got, my personal story, because there's a lot of stories I could share, but they're too personal to get into. So, but this one's cool. Uh, a really cool story. There was a, a promoter that promoted in this area that um, also ran every Friday night. He ran shows downtown at one of the nightclubs. There was a ring in in the dance floor area uh one side it was the dance floor still open on the other side there was a wrestling ring they come put it up every friday night and there will be wrestling matches there and tracy was always in town anyway working this for this promoter and other promoters uh on the on the real shows on the on the shows and the gyms and and the places like that uh but tracy uh randomly popped up on one of these bar shows uh you didn't get paid i don't believe at these bar shows i think it was more uh you were just there to own your craft if you were new and you were just there to get on the bigger shows if you showed up maybe a few guys got paid i'm sure tracy if he worked got paid i don't even remember if he worked the show but he was there at this bar and i attended this show and i actually sat at the bar uh with my back uh, to the show in the later half of the night and uh another wrestler was up there they didn't necessarily always work the shows but he was up there tonight and he was getting drunk and he knew me 
And he took a liking to me on this night, and he started feeding me beer and feeding me, uh, at the time, Jaeger bombs, very popular at the time, Jaeger and Red Bull back in 2002, 2003. And uh, I was pretty inebriated <laughs> at, that, at that course of night. Now, remember, it's, it's Christmas season. It's very, very cold outside, very cold, probably somewhere around zero. And out of nowhere... A lot of people weren't big fans of this promoter. He had stiff, started stiffing guys. And I think a lot of guys were showing up to these shows in hopes that if I show up, maybe one day I'll get, I'll get paid uh, for the money that I'm owed. And uh, all of a sudden, somebody runs into the area where the bar is, and they say, there's water leaking through the ceiling into the ring. It's just a small leak, but they're laughing. They're laughing that it's happening to this guy. Okay, that's kind of odd. Um, oh, th- th- there's, there's a second leak. And then there's a third leak. And then all of a sudden it looks like the dance floor is raining. And what had happened was a giant pipe had burst in the, in the uh, attic above the bar. And before you knew it, the water was pouring down uh, in the dance floor area, all over the ring and all over everything. Not in the bar area where I'm sitting, but I'm looking back and it's like, well, not my problem. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to get involved in this. Uh, they start taking the ring apart in a hurry. We got to get this ring out of here. We got It's getting flooded. It's, you know, it's zero degrees outside in the middle of December and everybody's rushing and they're doing this and that. And I'm, I look back. I'm not doing it. Take another couple sips of beer. Look back. I'm not doing it. And the next thing, you know, uh, the guy that was feeding me beer all night, he looks back and he goes, oh shit. Tracy Smothers is tearing the ring down. And I just said, damn it, damn it, Tracy. If that's, you know, if he's not too good to be carrying the, the, the ring into the, you know, the back of the, the truck or the trailer or whatever. Now I'm, now I have to, I, I'm not going to let this guy do it. You know what I mean? So killed my buzz <laughs> and, uh, got up off the bar and went over and started tearing the ring down and helping him load up the trailer. And I'm sitting there watching Tracy Smothers getting drenched in ice cold water from a pipe burst while it's zero degrees outside and the garage door to the bar is wide open. So we're exposed to the cold as we're putting all of the stuff into the trailer as this rain's pouring on us. And by the time we got done, it was like a cartoon. By the time I walked to my car, I actually had a little bit of hair back. I keep my hair basically shaved now, but I had enough hair back then to, there was literally icicles in my hair from the time I left for the water in my hair till the time I got to my car. If you didn't think that was possible, it is. It's not just in the movies. Crazy. Not, not hard icicles, but, but there was ice in my hair. Uh, crazy to think about that. But it's, uh, that's Tracy Smiley. Tracy didn't have to. I'm sure that I know plenty of wrestlers, and I'm not going to name names, that would have stood there and laughed uh, at the promoter and watched this happen instead of help tear it down. And I, 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 mean, I don't mean indie guys. I mean big names that, that came through. I know plenty of them based on their personality that would have laughed at this or simply not helped. And to see Tracy Smothers, who was 20 some years in the business, uh, try to help out as best he could. Just a hell of a guy. Yeah. That's another thing too. When you see him on TV, this seems genuine. Like he's not, he's not playing a gimmick. Maybe he's playing a name or something like that, but he just seems authentic. What you see is what you get. And I don't, he doesn't seem to be much different off the air. And uh, you've told me some stories about him and, he just seems like an all-around great guy and somebody that you would love to be around. And um, like you said, 
I wasn't going to do nothing, but he was doing it. So I, I'm not, I'm not above helping if Tracy Smothers is helping. That, again, that's another ultimate compliment, man. I, if nobody says a bad word about you, then you did something right, especially in the wrestling business. And Tracy's one of those guys. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say a bad word about him. So again, just a, a credit to the individual and the person that he is. And he just sounds like I said, like an awesome person that would have been amazing to meet and just talk to. But it's unfortunate that we'll I'll never get that chance. Yeah, so before we go, man, I just uh after all my all of the time I spent with Tracy, I can't sit here and sulk. I have to sit here and think about all the fun, all the dance offs and silly nonsense. The things he said that just came out of his mouth without without thinking first on the on the shows and on the mic sometimes when he wasn't even supposed to speak <laughs> Tracy you got the mic again you're not supposed to be speaking it's uh it's a hell of a lot of fun and you know for one last time for that southern born southern bred thoroughbred guaranteed not to rust bust collect dust bin breaker splinter Tracy this one's for you T is for terrible H is for hell. U is for ugly, and G is for jail. Why? Because a thug can't spell. One last dance-off with Tracy Smothers. Get real with the fever on the dance floor. On a track, concussion rampage Ricky Rick on point With the knife I stop for my left That be rolling the mad joints So put your hands in the air Cause there's a party over here So grab yourself a beer And we can get our fever on I'm with it So let me put my big brown fever on I'm coming with the disco I can flip so I'ma drop a solo tip Something for the honeys in the crowd Let me hear it So I can turn the party out Till tomorrow afternoon Cause when I grips my skills No one leaves the room so tell me, can you feel the mask girls coming with the fever, fever, fever? 